the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Welcome to today's show. Today we have an amazing woman of God, and you will soon find out why. Her name is Shelly Hoyseth. That's right. And she has an incredible testimony. She oversees a, a ministry that is important, love life, and we love life. And so this is going to be an amazing show. And we want you to stick around for the latter part of the show, as most of you all know that we're getting close to finishing, completing the book of Zechariah. We are now in chapter 14, and today we're going to cover the first eight verses because there's a lot of meat there. And without further ado, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you would be kind enough to tell our audience a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to go into a Q&A. Well, thank you, Adam. Um, Pastor, I'm really, I feel honored to be here. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm the director of Love Life in North, North County, um, San Diego. And basically, the Lord... Uh, I've always kind of had a heart for the pro-life movement. Um, I was raped as a young girl um, and uh, had an abortion myself. Wow. And um, through that abortion, it caused infertility and um, suffered with infertility for, for years and years. Um, I've had two ectopic pregnancies, one that nearly killed me. Um, we've had two ab- adoptions fall through. Wow. And so my husband and I, um, at one point, were just kind of, you know, wondering, maybe God just doesn't want us to have kids or something. You know, what's happening here? But um, fast forward through God's redemption, and we have four kids, three through adoption, and two grandchildren. And um, I'm just redeemed, and I want to share that with others. That's awesome. So you said you have three adopted children— and you actually birthed the child? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that the power of God? Because you were not supposed to have any more babies, you said. Well, what was interesting is the one that I did birth, I was pregnant a year after the abortion. So it was another unplanned pregnancy. Wow. And that time, um, you know, let me back up a little bit. Statistics prove that depending on which one you look at, somewhere between 54 and 70% of women who get abortions are identified as Christians. And so... What, what did you just say? <laughs> Can you repeat that again? Well, there's a Lifeway study that says that 7 out of 10 women who get abortions identify as Christians. My goodness. Okay. I was raised in a Christian home. I was too afraid to go to my pastor, to go to my youth group leader, to go to my parents. So I ran to the abortion clinic, which caused me to double down on my sin, right? And now I had lost my child too. And a year later, I was pregnant again. That time, there was no question, and I, and I chose life. And, and I almost lost her um, just because of the damage to my body, but um, the Lord saw fit to bring her to fruition. And um, so, yeah, that's how I gave birth to one. And then the years of infertility just continued from there. God bless you with life. Tell me a little bit about love life in this ministry, because you just told our audience that you are the director. Tell me what it does and a little bit about this ministry. Well, our mission um, of love life is to unite and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to the abortion and orphan crisis. So, we do that by um, partnering with churches like, like yours and, and you, Pastor Adam, 
And um, we bring people out to pray. We show them the mission field. And a mission field for Love Life is a local abortion clinic. So we want to have a Christian witness at every abortion clinic um, for every hour they're open in the nation. That's pretty awesome. Let me uh, – we're going to come back to some things I just heard. But how long has Love Life been around? I mean I see your shirt and I'm wearing one too. It says we and then a heart life. How long has this ministry been around? Um, it began in 2016 in North Carolina. Uh, by a a businessman who had a a business partner who used to have his meetings conducted across the street from the abortion clinic. Wow. And then he would just talk to the business people and say, by the way, did you know this is happening right here? Children are dying right here every day by the minute. And it's just like, you know, our founder, Justin Reeder, was just like broken. And um, so he just started Love Life from there. And that was in 2016, and I think we just surpassed 5,076 babies saved. Woo! One more time. How many babies saved? 5,076. That's that's actually as of last week, so we're probably closer to about 5,100 right now. Woo-hoo! And the other beauty that this is what I love about Love Life is that not only we're not just out there like trying to get women to just, you know, run away from the abortion clinic and convict people. We're there offering hope love and the gospel. So we've also brought 611 people to Christ outside of an abortion clinic. What was that number again? 611. That actually accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'm going to add two to that because just last Friday, one of my team members, she brought two 16-year-old girls to Jesus who were outside the abortion clinic. That's what I'm talking about. That is powerful. We have 250 House of Refuge churches. Tell me what that is, and then we'll continue. The House of Refuge Church is a church that's willing to be open and say, you know what, if you have an unplanned pregnancy, um, while we might acknowledge that sin may have caused you to be pregnant, either your own or maybe you were sinned against, however, the child itself is still an image bearer of God, and that having a child is not a sin. It's a blessing. So what we want to do as a church family is we want you to know if you're sitting in here right now, and based on the statistics we talked about before, there's probably a lot of women sitting in your churches that do have an unplanned pregnancy, and um, they need to know that it's a safe place. Run to us. Do not run to the abortion clinic. Amen. And we're not going to shame you. We're going to help you. We're going to throw you a baby shower. We're working alongside with Love Life. We're going to get you resources. Um, We just tap into all the resources that are available there for women that find themselves um, in an unplanned pregnancy, including for those that have had abortions post-abortive healing. That is powerful. Continue. You had, to, you had a list there. Well, my last little statistic that I particularly love this because I don't think people would think about this much, but we've had 50 abortion workers quit Woo-hoo! due to love life being out there, praying, ministering in love. Amen. And that's what I love best about Love Life's um, portion of the sidewalk ministry is that I know sidewalk ministry has gotten kind of a bad name sometimes because uh, people are aggressive or they're just, you know, really just out there screaming about going to hell and all kinds of stuff, right? And um, we really have an approach that, that the sidewalk is triage. There's hurting people there, and we are there to shine the light of Jesus to shine hope, to let them know that there are alternatives, that fear doesn't have to cause them to have an abortion, because that's the reason. That's the reason we get abortion is fear, right? Um, And fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. So um, we're there to counteract that. We're there to say, gosh, if you feel unloved, you don't have anybody that loves you. You know what? You've got the person who's going to love you the most in their entire life right inside you right now. Wow, that is powerful. You know that? God has said in his word that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Is there more? Well, those, like are the, those are the statistics nationally. And then here in Vista, um, which is where we have been, that's kind of just our little team that we started. And it was just a handful of us, really just three of us. And we've grown. We've got a team of about 16 to 20 now. And um, we're spreading out with our more of our hours that were out there. But we have saved um, four babies and their families. We say families saved because 
when a mom chooses life, that's a family. That's amen. Saved, right? Come on, amen. And we um, have brought four girls to Christ outside the clinic. I could just tell you the stories that are so. Just telling you the numbers doesn't really do it. Um, but you know, one thing our most recent baby save is from a pastor. His grandchild what? was saved through the relationship with Love Life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hello. Yeah. Hello. So, you know, it was Wake up, people. through this conversation. You know, pastors don't have to be afraid. They think that talking about abortion is so um, such a divisive uh, political thing, right? Yeah. Yes. And so they just avoid it altogether. But the reality is what they're doing is they're just ignoring all these hurting people. They basically have like... All these, if you just, I just picture it like a, you're standing out, you're looking over your congregation and you see a battlefield and you just see people dead all over the place, either from abortion, but from the effects of abortion. Okay. Abortion causes trauma, lifelong trauma, not only for women, but for the men involved too. And they're sitting in the church and they're not going to mention it because the pastor's not mentioning it. Nobody's saying, we understand you're hurting. We understand you have needs. We understand that that right maybe right now your biggest need is I can't feed myself let alone a baby. So let's let's assimilate you into the house of God and let's teach you and mentor you and help you to be the kind of mother parent matriarch that you will eventually be for all of your grandchildren, right? Amen. As it goes forward. So um God really he gave me this verse. I don't know. Is it a good time to read it this? It is. Okay. Please. Psalm 51, 10 through 13. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Woo! <clears throat> so... When we have the joy of the salvation and redemption of Christ ourself, and every day he restores that joy, that's what gives us the power to go out and minister to others. And that's why we can share the truth in love. Amen. Not because we're so smart and because we have all this uh, Bible knowledge and we're trying to just convict people of truth. You know, No, it's because we're standing on a firm foundation of grace And we don't get, there's nothing out of it. That's the beauty of Christianity, right? We don't get like Mm. some golden ticket. That's right. Right? We get, we get Jesus. He's the best golden ticket of all. And we share it because we want others to share in that grace and that love and to just move forward. That's how families are changed forever. It's not just saving a baby on the sidewalk. It's assimilating him into the family of God and changing them forever. That's pretty powerful. You know, hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas, and we have an incredible woman of God who has an incredible ministry called Love Life, and she's here today. Her name is Shelly Hoyseth. Woohoo! I said it right. You said it right. And, and we're just so happy that you're here. You know, before the pandemic, or plandemic, we used to go out there, and we were there for, you know, a little over a year. And we would show up with these big giant signs with babies that were aborted and, and you know, the police was called on me several times and they'd come out there and get out of here and I'd say, I'm on, I'm on public property. And then there was sometimes when I'd called out to share us because they were Christians and, you know, we stopped going because our, we never closed our doors at our church and we were so overwhelmed with ministry that we kind of just let it fly by. And when we finally went back, you know, we got this great news from our leader that oversees the ministry, pro-life ministry at our church, that there was a ministry there called Love Life. And there was a lady named Shelly that was on fire for the Lord. And we needed to come. We finally got out there. We had the privilege of meeting you. And it's, it's amazing what you do. Because no one's paying you. You're not getting a million dollars for saving babies and any of that. Now, you know, we are now a house of refuge at At the Cross, Oceanside. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Because I heard you mention it earlier about how many we have now. If you can tell that number again, 
how many mini- uh, of those ministries are now directly involved with Love Life and what it actually does for the person. Okay, so nationwide we have 250 House of Refuge churches. We have far many churches that are also partnering with us in um, prayer walks as well. They're just not necessarily an official House of Refuge. But an official House of Refuge, we need to add two to that, two more to that because uh, you guys are coming on board. Woo-hoo. And just this morning, we got another one in La Costa that just came on Yay. board. It's an official House of Refuge. And you know what's kind of beautiful? What church is that? It's Calvary Chapel, La Costa Hills. Wow. Praise God. And both of both these churches are not these huge no. churches, okay? These are, are just are people that are like, you know what? We love Jesus, and we want to be a house of refuge. And if that impacts 100 people, 1 people, 50 people, or 1,000 people, so be it, you know? So when someone comes to church, you know, uh, maybe they're there for the first time. Maybe they've been in that, grew up in that church their whole life, okay? And the pastor reads the house of refuge statement. And we kind of t- touched on that a little bit earlier, which is basically, hey, if you're here with, a, with an unplanned pregnancy— we are going to rally around you as a church family. We're not going to shame you, gossip you, or um, shun you, um, but we are going to bring you into resources. We're connecting with Love Life. We're going to throw you a baby shower, which usually gives um, families like up to two years of what they need. Uh, we do everything from we – have, we have a House of Refuge church that happens to have a mechanic, for instance. And this mechanic says, you know what? I'm going to donate my time and resources to fix cars. So if people want to donate a car, we often have women on the sidewalk there that they don't have transportation. And that's why they need to have an abortion because they can't, get, they can't even take care of their baby. They can't get to school, you know, whatever. That's just one, one aspect. Um, maybe they need to be connected to housing resources. Um, they'll be connected with a pregnancy resource center. So – that's from Love Life's perspective, is we work with the House of Refuge Church and the Pregnancy Resource Centers and the, the local resources to kind of help pull it all together. Wow. And from the church's perspective, you can have a pro-life ministry in your church, which I believe should be listed right under men's, women's, youth, life. You know, every church should have a life ministry. But you don't have to start it from scratch. You know, I met with a pastor recently, and he goes, oh, my gosh— I want to, I want to, and he basically described a house of refuge. He goes, I want to be a safe place for people that, that have pregnancies, wow. and I want Amen. to mentor people who want to foster, and I want to be with people who want to adopt, and I want to, all these things. And I said, oh, gosh, he goes, I just don't know how to even, how do I even go about doing this, wow. right? Because he's trying to pastor a church. And I said, oh, pastor, have I got some good news for you? Come alongside. All you do is you give me a liaison from your church. And we will train them. We'll set them up with the House of Refuge. We train all of our sidewalk counselors, all of our mentors. Everybody's trained through Love Life. So it's really plug and play for pastors. So you can have a pro-life ministry, and you can call it whatever you want. You can call it, um, you know, at the cross. <laughs> I know you have a what do you what do you call it? You have a we have a pro-life ministry. Real cute name. One life, One One life, life matters. matters. Yeah. And so it can be, hey, One Life Matters at the Cross is partnering with Love Life, and um, we're a house of refuge. That house of refuge statement goes up in your lobby. You and At least twice a year, you're going to incorporate the, um, the truth of life as image, of, as image bearers of God, and you're going to read the house of refuge statement to let people know, if you're in this situation, here's how we're going to help you. Amen. And if you've had an abortion, we're going to offer you a Bible study and a redemption healing. I can tell you as someone who's had an abortion and a Christian, I knew that God had forgiven me for my abortion. It was lumped in with all these other sins. But the difference after I went through post-abortive healing was that now I don't just have the sin that I was forgiven of, but I have this child that, that Christ introduced me to. Amen. Right? And now I have, I, I have a, almost like a, an excitement of someday meeting this child like I do my wow. my dad that I lost, Amen. you know? Amen. So it's just so beautiful. And the crazy thing with my story is, okay, at 17, I killed my child, right? I ended the life of my child out of fear, out of, you know, this, this rape, whatever. But God's redemption power, fast forward, and we were going through the adoption process. We had adoptions fall through one after another. I don't even know why. I know why, because that particular child, my son was supposed to be my son, right? Wow. His birth mother went to abort him twice. Wow. 
one time her older his older sister got sick and she had to miss her appointment. The second time her car broke down and she missed her appointment. Wow. By the way, these are kind of things that we pray. Like these are like the, while we're on the oh. sidewalk, we're like, Lord, you know, Amen. keep them safe. But maybe they could run out of gas. And their Amen. You know, on, I mean, what, hey, whatever it takes. Praise the Lord. So this is how God is. It's like even what, though I, what I did, he saved a son, scooped him away from me from out of the grips of abortion and gave me someone else's son. Wow. I mean, only God does that. Only God. And then we adopted. Then we adopted two more through through um, the foster system. So, you know, we've got. I really understand the heart of what these women are going through. Amen. You know, um, so many women have had abortions, and they think because of that they can't talk about life or yeah. they can't be in the ministry. You're right. That is such a lie of the You're enemy. You're right. Because Amen. Because we know the pain, we know the truth, and Amen. we know firsthand the lies that are being told Amen. in that room. Come on, sister. Where they tell you it's just a lump of cells. Praise where they God. tell Amen. you you're never going to f- think about it again. A lie from Satan. Such lies. They say you'll, you won't even worry about it. Post-abortive trauma is real. And I would say when I counsel women— Outside of this issue, and they have all, I, I'll, I'll kind of get a sense. I say, by any chance, have you had an abortion? Very high percentage yeah. that have struggled with all kinds of things their whole life wow. can step back and say, yes, I had an abortion. Wow. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is Vince Buccelli still the pastor at La Costa, Calvary Chapel La Costa? No. He's no longer there. Okay. Um, Who's the senior? Pastor Buck. Buck. Okay. The, yeah. the founder of that was uh, Vince Buccelli. He came out of uh, Calvary Chapel, North Coast. Okay. And uh, he founded that church, but he's there, no longer there. I'm buck now. Well, yeah. Praise God. I'm so yep. glad they came on board. You know, you are an amazing woman. I, I know that God has so much more for you. What would you tell? You know, we have a few minutes. What would you tell somebody that is considering aborting their child um, and but before before you do that, how can someone get a hold of Love Life and get a hold of you? You're the director. How can they do that? Um, they can go to the website at lovelife.org. One more okay. time, lovelife.org. Okay, and that's where they can learn about everything Love Life, from being a house of refuge to the um, resources that we have. Okay, um, even if you just you found yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, you can go on there. There's there's help for that wherever your area is, okay. even if nationwide. Um, and then you can reach me directly at Shelly at lovelife.org. One more time. Shelly at lovelife.org. Okay. We also have a hotline um, that we that we use on the sidewalk, and that's that phone number is 442-222-1212. And that goes to a live person. And, you know, oftentimes we just start a texting relationship with these, with these gals because that's, that's the world awesome. we in. I had an, I spent an entire, went from this gal was like, just found out she was pregnant with her third child. Her family all wanted her to get an abortion because they couldn't afford, and she just, she texted. I, we didn't even meet her on the sidewalk. I just wow. got a text and she said, I just found out I'm pregnant. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And, um, everybody wants me to have an abortion. And we just started texting, you know, and I kept texting with her, tried to meet with her, but you know, she wasn't really ready for mentorship. Maybe she will be someday, but she had a baby girl and she just kept, she reached out and she said, here's my baby. You were the first person to know I had to share this with you. So, you know, I'm going to continue that relationship as I can and, and minister to her and, Maybe someday she she will be ready to be mentored fully Amen. and be Praise assimilated God. in with the family of God. But so right now, if someone is considering abortion, what would you tell them that would help them? We got about a minute and a half. I would tell them that do your research. Okay, don't believe the lies. Don't believe the talking points. Um, it's not just a blob of tissue. Uh, don't believe that um, some of these larger abortion clinics that claim to be health centers are just helping women. Do a deep dive into their own websites. That's very telling, okay? They give the morning after pill to, to girls of any age without question, okay? That, that's some insight. But just, I would say, do your research. Understand that even if you think you're just taking the abortion pill, that what that is doing is starving your child, 
okay? You take the pill, it starves your child, you go home, they give you another pill, and then you're home alone, and you have to abort, give birth to your baby in the toilet. And that blob of tissue becomes their son or daughter. It's very traumatizing. Wow. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you come right back. That was Shelly Hoiseth of Love Life. And if you need to contact them, please do lovelife.org. .org. Love you. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Woo! The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. As you just heard, we had an incredible, credible leader, the director of Love Life, Shelly Hoiseth. And if you want to contact her, because we now have a, a, a a nation almost wide ministry where others are listening to it and you're not locally, you can go to lovelife.org and still put in your request and somebody will definitely reach back out to you. And now we're going to cover Zechariah. We're going to cover the first eight verses. There's 21 verses in Zechariah chapter 14. If you remember, I want to catch you up really quick so that you understand where we're at. Zechariah is back in the land. He's, he had been uh, in captivity, as were all the Israelites, for 70 years after they had rebelled against God. And God had prophesied that if they didn't change their ways, they would be in Babylon. And sure enough, 70 years, they, have, they were now released back in their land. 20 years, the temple was halfway built Zechariah had been giving them a word of encouragement, a word of encouragement, preparing them to get back to work and to complete this temple and to praise God. You know, I love it because God always gives us a word that we can look forward to, where there's hope and there's blessings if we stay patient, if we stay Alert, and we stay the path. And here we go. It's chapter 14 of Zechariah, verse 1. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and they spoil. Thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Now, this is a powerful word because you had, in the previous chapter, we had just heard that Jesus was coming back, and they would look upon him whose hands they had pierced. And if you remember that, that verse was six, and I'm going to read it to you so you understand this chapter a little bit better. One shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. But then I want to refer you back to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, where it says this, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and here it goes, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. This is Jehovah speaking. He's saying they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. You're like, wait a minute, I thought they pierced Jesus. This is the triune God, Jehovah saying, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Pierce, remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's one God with three distinctive persons 
and it's the Trinity of God, and it's so hard for us to kind of comprehend. You know, God is awesome. He made everything in threes. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, three, in one shot, time, space, matter, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when you look throughout the whole Bible, you see three everywhere. But as we continue here, Zechariah is letting them know that the day of the Lord cometh. What is the day of the Lord? Isaiah 13 says this when it speaks about the day of the Lord. And we pick it up in Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6. And it says this, How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all the hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world, not just Israel, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to seize, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now, Revelation chapter 18 says this. We want to make sure that we understand. We want to make sure that when we look at Scripture, we understand what the day of the Lord is. Now, verse chapter 18, verse 1 says, says this, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and had avenged the blood of his servants, at her hand. And again they said hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders. The four beasts fell down. And worshipped God. And that sat on the throne saying hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying. Praise our God. All ye his servants. And ye that fear both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters. And as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, when you skip over to 11, 1911 says this, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness as he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written, and no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Remember, in the beginning was a Word, and a Word was with God, and a Word was God. And the Word became flesh. That's all in John chapter 1. And as we continue, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of King and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. It is amazing when you look at this. And, and let me read, skip over to verse 21 so that we can get through this. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which was the sword that proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filth 
with their flesh. It's Jesus who does this. He comes back with an army at his second coming. And what he's saying here, this is at the end of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. Remember, we've been, we have been discussing that as we've gone through Zechariah. That's what Jeremiah called Israel's trouble. And as we continue, we see this. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses riffled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. You know, this is his second coming. He's talking about him coming back and what's going to be taking place. Look what verse 3 says. And then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. This is Jesus coming back at his second coming. Now, a lot of folks have this mistaken. They believe that his second coming is the rapture. But that's not true. There's a seven-year tribulation that Daniel spoke about, the abomination of the desolation. Jesus in Matthew 24 spoke about this event that would take place. But now we're looking at the end of this. This is the second coming. Remember, at, his, at the rapture, remember the word from the Greek is harpazo. Harpazo was translated to rapturo in Latin, where we get our word rapture. In English, it was the word caught up. When you look for its translation, it means violently snatched up. Paul says that it will happen at the twinkling of an eye. It isn't like the movies that you see. It's going to be instant. The twinkling of an eye is when the sun hits your eye, it twinkles. That is the traveling speed of the light rays, and it travels at 186,000 miles, check this out, per second. The rapture is going to be instant. Then it says that we meet him in the clouds. He never touches down. We meet him in the clouds, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. At that point, your body is transformed. It becomes beautiful in the eyes of God, and even in your own eyes, you see something powerful that happens. Remember, when he comes at his second coming, he already comes back with his saints. We just read that in Revelations chapter 19. He comes back with the saints, and he is the one that fights. He is the one that, with his breath, wipes everything out that's unclean at that point. That's his second coming. And that's exactly what it says in Zechariah chapter 14, 3, when it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, look what it says, His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east, toward the west, and there shall be a great Valley and half of the mountains shall be removed toward the north and half toward the south. See, he lands, he sets up his kingdom, he comes to Jerusalem at his second coming. At the rapture, that's your hope and my hope. We meet him in the air. The Bible is very clear that you and I were not appointed to wrath. And the only way into heaven is through Jesus. Right now, you can't come to him and, and you're ready to die and say, but I'm Jewish. I have a right to go into heaven. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. See, this is how we can live a clean life. This is how we can live a life of love, a life with hope a life with a future, a life where we have something to look forward to. The Bible says heaven. Heaven is a place that we look 
forward to. But right now, this is the second coming that Zechariah is reminding them of. There's a kingdom that's going to be set up. The very next verse says this, And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah. Remember that great earthquake when, of the day of Uzziah, king of Judah? And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. It's very clear that at his second coming, we're coming back with him. It isn't the rapture at that time. It isn't the great resurrection. The resurrection happens when he comes at that time for those of us that are still alive and he takes us to be with him. We meet him in the air. In that same passage, in Second, in 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, chapter 4, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive shall meet him in the air. That is powerful. You know that when he was crucified, when he rose at that point, he led all those that were in captivity that were in this place called paradise from the bosom of Abraham. He led them back into heaven. He says he led captivity captive back into heaven in Ephesians. And you remember there's only one place when he rose, after he rose in chapter 27 of Matthew, it says that those that had died walked around the city. He gave them a chance. He, he gave them a chance to be awakened, but somehow it didn't happen. Now, Matthew 24, 30 and 31 says this. I, I want to make sure that as we read, we're all paying attention and that we go verse by verse so that we understand. Look what happens at his second coming in Matthew 24. And let's start at 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For where the carcass is, there will be the eagles gathered together immediately. Listen, listen to this. Immediately after the tribulation, it's after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. Remember, we read that in Isaiah. And the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then look what this says in 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. You know why? Because Zechariah says, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They will look upon his hands who have been pierced, and he will say, these are those that I got from being in the house of my friends. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven and with power and great glory. Everybody will see his second coming. Revelation 1-7 says this. Revelation 1-7 says this. Behold, he cometh with the clouds... And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. Remember, they shall see me whom they have pierced, like Zechariah says. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. At his second coming, every eye sees him. At the rapture, it's only those that know Jesus as their Lord and, as Lord and Savior. Look what Joel says. Joel has a word for us as well. Joel 3.11. Joel 3.11 says this. Joel 3.11 says this. Assemble yourselves and come all you heathen and gather. Now the word heathen sounds bad. That's just someone who doesn't know Jesus. You heathen? It's someone who just doesn't know Jesus. That's all it is. You know, we now use it as a, almost as a slang word to, you're a heathen. But it's, it was a word that was used for the Gentiles, for those that didn't know God. Gather yourselves together round about hither, because the mighty one to come down, oh Lord, he's coming down. He's coming down. Hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas as we're going through the book of Zechariah. It is an amazing chapter. And as we are getting ready to wind down, it says this in verse 6. 
And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Remember what we just read in Revelation and Isaiah? That the sun will be darkened when he comes back. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. What it's saying that it's going to be so glorious that even if it's dark, it's going to be light. And there's never been a day like it or never will be a day like it again because he's coming back with all of his saints. He's setting up his kingdom here on earth and it's going to last, listen, a thousand years. And he's doing that for you and I. And then look what verse 8 says. I love verse 8. And it shall be in that day that the living waters shall come out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and in winter shall it be. It's saying that when he comes back, there's going to be something miraculous. There's going to be water, a fountain of water that comes out from underneath Jerusalem and it's going to spread Throughout the land, it's going to turn all the waters to fresh water, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be an incredible day when we see this. Remember in in last week when we went through the 13, it says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. It's a spiritual application as well as a physical application that's going to happen. Um, I want to read this really quick so you understand that. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, and then we're going to close in prayer. And I just want you to keep coming back for more and more from this incredible show that God has, has placed on my heart and allowed you and I to learn along the way. Isaiah 47, 1 to 12, and I'm going to read it fast, but this is how everything gets healed. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, the waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward for the forefront of the house to toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. This is Ezekiel. This is a vision that he's experiencing. Then he brought me out of the way to the gate northward and led me about the way without to the other gate by the way and looked at eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth afterward, he measured a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand, brought me through the waters. The waters were at my knees. Again, he measured a thousand, brought me through the waters were up to my loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, the river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said unto me, please waters issue out toward the east country and go down to the desert and into the sea, which he bringeth forth into the sea. The waters shall be healed and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whatsoever, the rivers shall come shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh, and it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it, and get even, and, and get a limb, and they shall be a place to spread forth nets, and the fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea according to many, but the mighty place thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed, they shall be given to salt." And by the river upon the bank thereof on the side and, the, and on the other side shall grow all trees for me whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. They shall bring forth new fruit according to his months because their waters, the issued are the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be for me and the leaf thereof shall be for medicine. It's a fountain that's going to proceed out of the temple. God is a fountain of living waters. Zechariah, please read it, 2.13, 7.13. Shelly Hoiseth, can you please close us in prayer?
Yes. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this word. <clears throat> thank you for the truth and the um, hope that we have, um, not only just in your return and in the rapture, but today, right here on earth, Lord Jesus. Thank you that um, we have been given a, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray. Um, we pray for people that are lost, people that are confused, people that are living in fear, something that might might choose us to make decisions that are lifelong decisions like abortion, Lord Jesus. So I just pray for abortion-minded people, Lord, that you will just inspire them, remind them of who they are in you, Lord. Remind them that um, they were created on purpose with a purpose, Lord Jesus. And um, I just pray for anyone who maybe wanting to get involved and want to help, Lord Jesus, that they will just come alongside these men and women and share their stories. Begin to talk, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Inspire us, Lord Jesus, in your power to share our stories and the grace that you've given us, Lord Jesus, that we can empower others to move forward in you, Lord. So I just thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. One more time, the phone number that they can call. 442-222-1212, Shelly at lovelife.org. Woo! And this is freedom at adamriojas.com. Reach us, call out to us. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday at 5 p.m. Woo! God bless you. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.